Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. Now leaving glorious Cantargo. Uh, <laughs> it's weird for yeah. the swamp, for the wilderness. I know we're going like we're going like three hundred feet outside of the city walls, but it's weird. Yeah, we can yeah. see the city walls very <laughs> clearly from the destination that we're going to. Now, quote unquote, leaving the glorious city of Cantargo. <laughs> we're we're in the burbs. Let's let's just call it what it is. We're we're entering the suburbs of Cantargo. Like we're out, we're going to be outside the, the city walls, but I think. The area we're in still technically part of the city, as far as you know, things are city concerned. City property and stuff. Yeah. For it's not as useful for the audience at home who don't have a visual cue. However, uh, I do have a picture of the city of Kentargo. It's a beautiful picture of the city of Kentargo pulled up for all my players here. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, the island that you're heading to is on that yeah, map. Yeah, okay, it's <laughs> right there. <laughs> that you can see the city from. Okay, Just not only can bit. we see the city and see the city walls, we can see, like, Castle Cantargo, probably. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Cesare's yeah. like, hey, there's the tower I sleep in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I mean, that mm. might be a bit of a stretch, but, like, li literally, no, we can I, probably still see, like, the major landmarks of I the mean, city. I see like, a white I see tower Temple over Hill. here. That might be it. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's like a ten minute walk from the city wall. It's not it's like we're going wilderness. out into the wilderness. Yeah, it's, it's, it's still about wilderness. Minutes, but. <laughs> I was gonna say if you were a ranger, this would matter a lot because it's mm, no longer it's a true. city. <laughs> if we're playing in first edition and second edition, actually I do think rangers still get some terrain option sort of things. You, you but can. There are feats for it. It's not I as I think important. a lot of people can take them. Mm. Sure. Well, I suppose to recap, to jump back into things, when last we had left our heroes, the Silver Ravens, we had begun book two of the Hell's Rebels adventure path, Turn of the Torrent. The party had uh, gone and listened to the Lord Mayor's announcement of the Ninth Proclamation, in essence revoking the charter of the Hell Knight Order of the Torrent. And, uh, claiming and offering lands. a huge bounty for and their capture. Yep. Ugh. And uh, hey, if you turn in their leader, you get all of the Victacora's holdings and are declared a noble of the city. Yeah, it's like what is it, five hundred gold or something insane like that? Mm -hmm. Yep, a lot of money. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a little bit of encouragement there for the. Uh, yeah, playing off of the desperation that they've created. I mean, yeah, of course. The people of the city to turn on their former heroes, considering how well liked the order of the turn is. Well, and then they they said the whole thing about like, oh, he tr they tried to assassinate me, and we're all just like, maybe they did, maybe they probably probably didn't. I don't know. <laughs> They may have thought it was an assassination, but it might have just been like an attempt to capture them. Who knows? Hard to know. Because <laughs> I don't know if they can outright lie as lawful evil individuals. I mean, they can misrepresent the truth within legal yeah. bounds as long as it's not defamatory or mm -hmm. um, libel. Yeah, so like they can't straight up just make stuff up. I wonder what libel laws are like in uh, Chiliax. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, though? It's like, I'm accusing this person of libel, and they're just like, zone of truth. Did you make that up? <laughs> you had then uh, gathered yourselves together, had gone to speak with the cousin of the lictor, the leader of the Order of the Turret, the cousin being uh, one Cetrona Sabinus, the cousin of the uh, lictor Octavio Sabinus, who, after a, uh, a brief conversation, had more or less confided in you the fact that... Uh, one, her cousin is a, uh, for lack of a better term, a true patriot as far as the city of Cantargo is concerned. The family having lost their position, their status, due to their support of the previous Silver Ravens. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, two, that if he had attempted to actually do anything that he was accused of, he probably had really good reason. Mm -hmm. 
And three, okay, we're on that board she had it. an idea of uh, where her cousin might be found. Indeed. Specifically in the Shrine of St. Cynix, mm-hmm. a uh, small shrine to a a minor saint, not technically even necessarily someone related to one of the the major deities, so much as a an oracular individual responsible for the uh, the rescue, the saving of various saviors, of various sailors, uh, and also like the recovery of dead bodies, uh, the drowned yes. specifically. And uh, from what we understand, this place is supposed to be heavily magically warded, and therefore anybody searching for Octavio magically would probably have a very difficult time, assuming he's in there. Curiously, um, it was somewhat brought up that it is warded and protected against magic, but in actually a very mundane manner. Well, I, I guess I meant warded from magic more than magically. Yes. Like, yeah, sorry, that was that was a yes. misleading statement. Uh, more or less that the uh, there's a certain amount of lead concentrate in the uh, the very rocks, in addition to the fact that it is technically speaking in a swamp and actually surrounded by flowing water on all sides, which wards you actually against a number of divinatory spells. Mm-hmm. And yes, that does mean that this magic apparently works like Superman's x-ray vision. <laughs> <laughs> Enough lead and you can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Most divinatory magic is uh, technically radiation, apparently. Apparently so. I was going to say, that's always one of those, we hate, we hate the explanation for magic, because magic should just be magic, but like the rules of this world make it seem like radiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any sufficiently advanced technology. Exactly. So, yeah, I suppose to, uh, to kick things back off, all of you had left the Tooth and Nell, staggered your departure from the Tooth and Nell to make your way out into the city. Several circuitous routes. So that you could meet up somewhere near... Rustgate, so you hopefully wouldn't draw too much attention to yourselves. Mm-hmm. And moreover, the uh, priests of Asmodeus, who apparently watch the tooth and nail like a hawk, yeah. or perhaps a vulture, might be more apt. One of the evil type birds. <laughs> vultures aren't evil. Yeah, vultures They're aren't evil. They're necessary. You know yeah. the Asmodeans would have those Dracula parrots that look like they're black and bright red. <laughs> what? Dracula parrots. They're called like Dracula parrots. I can't remember what they're called. They're like vampire parrots. Yeah, I was gonna say I've never heard of that because I was thinking parrots is like very brightly colored. Pesquet parrots, also known as the Dracula parrot or the vulturine parrot. They're bright mm. red bodies with black heads. Oh my gosh, wow, that doesn't even look like a, a parrot. <laughs> They're wow, freaking bats, cool. and you know that's what the Asmodeans would be running Dude, around they with lo- for birds. Okay, let me, let me be very honest here. <laughs> they look like an Asmodean, like, priest robes is what it looks like. Because like, they've got, like, the red and the black. Like, they got the black mm. shoulders and chest and then, like, red. Yeah. yeah wow. It'd be great for the Druid next time fact. someone plays a uh, Asmodean pirate. Or <laughs> wizard. Uh, first that off, an Asmodean yeah. pirate would be hilarious because it's like, oh, my, my my magic power's gone immediately. Privateer. Yeah, ah, privateer. There you go. Privateer be all right. But I suppose to start things back off, the lot of you make your way out, scatter into the city streets. Eventually, you meet up in, uh, I believe you're planned on just meeting down the way from Rustgate in a, uh, a more or less conspicuous area. Basically, beyond Arya Park, in essence, the uh, the almost dividing portion of the Jarvis End section of Central Cantargo, where the Cantargo Opera House is, and Temple Hill, there runs a small park that runs basically the length, kind of wedged between Vertos and Sapienta Road, is a, a small park usually referred to as the Vertos Plaza. Uh, technically, that is more the northern portion of it, and as you make your way down towards the south, there's a small area there to set up a literal farmer's market. Oh, okay. Uh, as Rustgate is the uh, the area closest to the more agricultural side 
of uh, Kentargo's businesses. Hmm. You find, unsurprisingly, considering the recent rate hike, the market here is a little bit less filled than usual, less busy than usual. There are still a number of market stalls open selling a variety of farmed goods. Children run their way between the various empty stalls right now, uh, either chasing after curs because there's still money to be made from turning in dogs mm. or playing with their dogs. So it's somewhat difficult to tell which one is which. <laughs> did you just call dogs curs? Yes, he most definitely did. So mean. I mean, it's a word. Like it's a an cur is an word. aggressive dog or one that is in poor condition, especially a mongrel. I know, yeah. but like it's mean to say that about a dog. <laughs> Maybe they're right, mean I'll dogs. I'll reserve the word cur for whenever I'm using uh, Asmodean speech about all of you. Or yes. hellhounds. Or hellhounds. Very well. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize to all of our canine listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you each gather one after the next. I imagine that, uh, again, with more familiarity with this region, Nicola is probably the first one to actually make his way over there because this is pretty close to his stomping grounds in the Devil's Nursery. I was about to say, we're like a skip and a jump away from the Clovenhoof Society. The the southern portion here, this farmer's market, is almost at the uh, the meeting point of Jarvis End, Old Kentargo, and Red Roof, to the point that it's one of the few areas around here that the, the common people of each of those regions actually meet. What after the next each of you would gather until the five of you are standing in the, not necessarily shade, although technically... T- actually shade of a a single large tree which grows in the center of the plaza but in this case since it is overcast it is more providing shelter from the rain than it is actually providing shade from the sun from here you can see clearly down ravenel road where it makes its way down to the rust gate your exit from the city onto the uh the central portion of argo island right everybody have everything they need um yeah yeah and uh pretty sure i wasn't tailed so that's good i didn't notice anybody so, um, if we're ready, let's go into the glorious swamps. I'm looking forward to all the stains my clothes will have. Oh, we got ways to get rid of that. Club soda. <laughs> Club soda? You <laughs> little soda water here. <laughs> or you can just use magic. I mean, sure, but Niccolo doesn't have that at home. I was about to say, you can just use magic. <laughs> Not uh, usually an option for me. It's a fairly simple cantrip. I don't mind cleaning everyone's clothes afterwards if we have to. But for now, I mean, that we might should... actually be smart because I don't know if we want to go back through the gate looking like we just went through a swamp. Hmm. I don't know. They may yeah. be less likely to question us if we smell really bad. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, swamp people. Go, go. <laughs> yeah, bad. yeah, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> just give us money. They charge the swamp people more. <laughs> oh, God. We didn't read the bylaws. You turn making your way out from Veritas Plaza and heading down Ravenel Road towards Rustgate. Despite its name, and probably bringing to mind certain uh, certain expectations with a place called Rustgate, the gate itself is in extraordinarily good repair. Okay. Your, uh, your passage fees at work. Yep. I don't know, but your taxes at work also possibly, I don't know. Mm. Rustgate is the southernmost gate to the city of Kentargo. The tall walls of Kentargo rise up as you begin to approach towards the gate itself, which is situated between two large gatehouse towers with an arch stretching between them and a massive portcullis that could drop down to block off the entirety of the 20-foot wide gate. Hmm. Beyond that, you can see the open area just inside, in essence, the inspection area 
although during times for war, this would more or less be a killing field, located between the outside gate, once people breach it, before they can get through the inside gate, surrounded on all four sides to make a boxed-in area to deal with any invading forces. Although it has been many a year since there has been an invading force attempting to attack the city of Kentargo. And by that, really, I just mean the siege of Kentargo during the Chelsea Civil War. Approaching towards the gate, you find that it is, despite the rate hike, still exceptionally busy. The number of people coming in, which is usually a constant stream, has turned into more of a spurt of individuals making their way through. You can only assume, considering that most of the the travel into the city of Cantargo comes through Rustgate along Ravenel Road, that these are people that have traveled to Ravenel and Cantargo specifically to make their trade, unaware when they set out a week or two or three weeks ago mm. that the price would be tripled by the time that they arrived. Yeah. Ouch. You queue up in the gate to leave the city, which is much smaller queue than the gate attempting to make its way in and steadily make your way forward. The archway looms over your head as you pass under the large spikes of the portcullis and into the, again, what would be a killing field, and here is more of an inspection point. Temporarily easily deconstructed buildings line the walls off towards your right and left. More or less shelters for the guards on duty down here than really anything made for a permanent installation. Nothing that would be built here that would provide any actual protection from attackers attempting to make their way into this place. Mm-hmm. A long pole runs down the center of this, giving the, the field here almost look like a tilt that you would expect at a jousting arena, mm. but basically a means by which to keep the incoming and outgoing traffic regulated. And a number of guards stand along the right-hand side, just waving people along and forward until you get to a quartet of people going through and inspecting comings and goings. One of these is a captain wearing a plumed helmet. The other two appear to be just standard Datari. And the fourth appears to be a lesser priest of Asmodeus, wearing his robes of black and red. Mm -hmm. As you make your way forward, one of the two Datari, a man you're going to guess in his maybe mid-20s, uh, with a shock of red hair that you can see poking out from underneath his helmet plastered to his forehead and the slight drizzle here. Looks over towards all of you as you approach. Business leaving the city? Yes. Yep. <laughs> yes! Are we not staggering our leave? Are you leaving at one at a time or are you leaving all as a group? Oh, no, we're definitely not leaving as a group. That'll look suspicious. I was going to say, we're going to look suspicious AF if we all leave together. Yeah, it's up to you all right. So I guess the question is, what order are we leaving? What is there to do outside of the city? Like, is there is like the nature and stuff out here kind of nice? Would it be what could you could we say or could Chesare at least say? Stroll? Yeah, I just wanted to get out of the city for a little while because we're probably I mean, going to be coming back the same you. day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're probably hopefully we won't be out here for days. Well, you know? people live outside of the city, right? That's true. Yeah. Although most of the people that live outside of the city, they would come and go regularly. They would probably recognize as coming and going regularly. And also, you guys uh, are not dressed as farmers, which are most of the people that live outside of the city. And but the, you could be visiting with the someone. priest of Asmodeus here, we got to be careful. You got to be careful about how blatantly you're going to lie. Was he asking what our business was or if we had business like no. in a friendly way? It's one of those. He, he why are you leaving the city? Yeah. He was asking what oh. your business was. <laughs> 
I guess getting into the mechanics of this, uh, if you're all leaving at once, only one person needs to make that deception check. But if all of you, if you're staggering who's leaving, you might want to make sure that someone can lie in each group because they're going to ask you your business. I'm an expert at lying. I am uh, trained in deception. I have a plus nine. I think we're all at least trained in it. Yeah, Cesare, I think, is trained, too. Yeah, We're all trained. decent liars. I mean, mm. we did assume we were going to be doing skullduggery that may include deceiving people, so... I mean, we could sure. at least separate into two groups so it's slightly less conspicuous. Yeah. Even if we don't do each individual. Yeah, I think yeah, that I might... Think two groups. Yeah. How do you want to divide your groups? All right. Uh, Adria, you go with... Uh, you go with Lucia. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because we need somebody who's really good at lying to go with Lucia. Lucia's good at lying. I'm She's just... good at lying. I'm yeah. just not good at role-playing that I'm lying. <laughs> yes, but I mean, think about it this way. Based on what we've seen of Lucia lying I mean, in game, you're not wrong. You know, we haven't seen the, the success. To be fair, she your, succeeded at all of those checks. Um, but I chose to lie about, which is not smart. Yeah. Is Lucia also an expert or is she trained? No, I'm only trained. Okay. So, I mean, at the very least, Adria still is probably better at it than she is. We might be similar because you're probably more charismatic. But I was thinking um, maybe the half-elf elf crew. Okay. Oh, because you'd look like my mom or something? Maybe. Well, <laughs> not exactly. But maybe, like, we're all going to visit a friend and it would be the same friend because racist people would be like, ah, those half-elf oh, elf people. Oh, all the elves. Yeah. 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 So then Lucia and Niccolo, we could say we're going to retrieve a package for somebody or something. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to see somebody. I mean, it's not entirely false because we might mm -hmm. be actually picking something up. We don't know. You know, mm -hmm. we just say it's somebody who didn't want to pay the, the entrance and exit fee. Mm. All right. I suppose as elf group approaches, the redheaded guardsman asks uh, business. Oh, we're out there visiting someone. Um, how's your morning? He looks at you. Looks up at the drizzling sky. Looks back at you. Living the dream. <laughs> I understand that. Yes! Very well. Uh, who are you visiting? Oh, we're visiting, you know, a cousin. Cousin Plebus. Plebus. Mm-hmm. He nods. Duration of your visit? Oh, just a couple hours. We'll be back before dark. He nods. Glances over the, uh, the three of you. Go ahead and make me a uh, deception check. We're doing it. Jessica, your face. <laughs> we are visiting a cousin, not our cousin. Anyway, <laughs> but Plebus is not his name. <laughs> we don't know. It could be his real name. <laughs> mm. nah. Be a terrible plan. Yeah. Very well. For the three of you, that will be a total of nine silver pieces. All right. I guess we got to get our monies, everybody. Well, she gave us money piece. to get through. Mm-hmm. All right. We just give her the money then. Or him. He takes it. Names. Uh, sure. Do we need to sign something? No, but you'll need to provide the names to the gate master when you make your return this evening. If you're out for more than one day, you will need to pay your entry fee upon return. Oh, okay. That oh, I thought we paid both ways, so that's nice. No, it's more or less like, for lack of a better term, a day, day pass. pass. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess okay. we're just going to give him our names, right? Cesare is going to give him Cesare. It's, yep. Yep. Okay. I'm even going to try to come up with something on the fly. We just give him our names, I suppose. He... Take your names. Nods. Very well. Safe travels while you're outside of the city. If you're staying in the, the surrounding buildings, there should not be an issue. If you're venturing any further, there is a warning. There's been a recent spotting of a spire drake in the surrounding hinterlands. You should be oh, cautious. Wow. 
Okay, well, we will. You try to stay dry if you can. He looks up at the sky, looks back down. Thank you. Next. We carry Just on. Just kind of waves you through. From there, I suppose you make your way forward. Two or three groups of people down. Nicolo and uh, Lucia wait, trying to ignore the smell from the uh, the chicken cart in front of you, which is now full of wet chickens. Which oh. just cluck away so, inside of their cages. Mm. Oh, sadness. So what kind of what kind of uh, a package are we wanting? I bet they're going to be asking what kind of package we're going to be bringing back in. Um, food. <laughs> food? What kind of food? They're going to want to know. I don't know what they'll have it on the other side. They just said also food. something we can get on the other side, so we don't look suspicious when we don't come back with a package. Yeah, <laughs> rock. We're bringing a rock back. Rock. A hey, rock. Swamp just water. This rock. Swamp. <laughs> swamp water. <laughs> I like the idea. That it's like, oh, we're just going to get some swamp water. Don't you worry. Mm. It's oh for gosh. a new mineral bath for the queen. We're gonna purify <laughs> it and sell it as bottled water. It's gonna be the new hot craze. You're gonna be amazed. Some sort of crazy uh, wizard guy that lives up in a tower over at. Uh, the Academy wants swamp water for some wizard experiment thing. I don't know. <laughs> Cesare does not want swamp water. No, no, swamp gas. That way we can disguise an alien landing. I mean, oh what? Oh my gosh. My gosh. <laughs> Pay no attention. Oh my there gosh. There are now two people in front of you before you reach the uh, the gate. Yeah, no, just food. We don't know. They said that they had some food for us to pick up and drop off. And it's, it's for the Cloven Hoof Society. Is that all? Sure. We'll go with that. If we do get some food, we can give it to them. We probably should get some food. <laughs> Are you saying you could eat? I'm I'm always ready to eat. It's just that we also should probably get some food. Yeah, I could eat. <laughs> You're all right, Lucia. You're all right. <laughs> you wait for the next person. Wait for the person after that. The uh, The chicken driver. Very animated individual complaining very loudly pertaining towards the, you know, the increased price bringing his chickens in, all the rest of that stuff. Uh, to the point that you're forced to unfortunately wait for about an extra 10 minutes or so as the other guard, cap the guard captain comes over, uh, talks to the gentleman. And after a brief uh, discussion where the man becomes exceptionally heated, uh, he subsequently gets thrown down into the mud, uh, manacled and dragged off as they move the cart off towards the side undercover. Ugh. Fun. As they move him away to go interrogate him. Oh, you get the feeling Great. that uh, being vocal or angry is not going to get you much of anywhere here at this gate. Mm-hmm. A redheaded guardsman motions <laughs> all of you forward. This poor guy. <laughs> uh, are you are you trained or expert in deception? I'm trained, so. You're trained. Okay, do you yeah. have a plus nine or better? Nope. I'll try I'm to roll. You. Yep. Maybe don't, because if you roll too low, then... I mean, I would have to roll a two or less to actually critically fail. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's worth a shot. The man looks over as you approach business. Picking up some foodstuffs. Foodstuffs. Mm. Can you be more specific? <laughs> Don't know. They didn't say. Who is there? Farmer on the other side. Picking up some foodstuff from a farmer on the other mm -hmm. side. It's for the Cloven Host Society inside a red roof. It's part of a community outreach you know, taking care of those less fortunate. The man gives a nod, almost purposefully not looking at Niccolo, like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Which explains why the human is here with a tiefling. Mm. <laughs> so they sent you to go and pick up food stuff without a wagon or cart. They're it's providing a box. the wagon. I can carry stuff. Uh-oh, you both said different is things. Is it a box that you can carry, or are they providing a wagon? Well, they better provide a wagon. I'm not carrying nothing. Of course not. You never do. 
know. I love where this is going. Will you be taking the wagon back through upon your return? Mm. I guess we're going to have to, since she's not going to carry anything. Oh, that does remind me. I've never done this before. Do we get, like, free readmittance, or are we going to have to, like, pay this, like, five times? Five times? There is an additional fee if you're bringing through a cart. Oh, okay, that's fine. See, this is why I always want to carry stuff, but no, no, we have to use the cart every time. Do you know how many trips we'd have to make? Yeah, you want to yeah, feed yeah. everybody or not? <laughs> what is the name of the farmer that you're going to see? Georgios. But you don't know the details of what you're picking up. He said he had food for us. I didn't ask. We, of course, want to get it inspected before we bring it back through. We wouldn't want yeah, to you can bring look in at anything illegal want. or dangerous. So when you guys come back through, you'll need to be arguing, you said it was today. No, it's apparently not. Well, we came out here for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the man narrows his eyes. Go ahead and make me that deception check. Yeah. Okay. That's always the problem when you start a lie and you, you add complications to it. Like, now I need to come back with a box. <laughs> That's right. You just got to be visiting people. So, and I'm aiding, or at least attempting to. The man looks at the two of you, kind of sighs, looks down at the uh, the soggy list of, uh, like, requirements and everything else that he's holding. Periodically glances back over to his sh- over his shoulder where uh, the, the chicken farmer is carrying on in very, very loud fashion. <sighs> Fine, it'll be six gold pieces. Six gold. Six gold pieces. <laughs> like, oh my ah! god! <laughs> Extortion! <laughs> six silver. All right. I guess uh, we hand over the money. If you return before nightfall, you'll be allowed readmittance today. Otherwise, you will have to pay the entry fee if you return tomorrow. If you're right. traveling to the surrounding farmsteads, everything should be fine. If you're venturing anything further past that in the fields, particularly if you're traveling to any of the ranches, be aware that there has been a Spire Drake sighting. We need to roll some knowledge checks on Spire Drakes. What in Galarian is a Spire Drake? I'm going to assume it's bad. Kind of like a dragon, except for it doesn't have front legs. Ah, all right. I'll watch out for dragons then. I think they land on spires. <laughs> they love Kentargo. I guess L- Lucia and Nicolo start walking off and she starts going, you didn't mention anything about there being anything dangerous out here. This is just supposed to be us getting food. <laughs> like just Look. bickers with him as we walk off. <laughs> Don't like, go charging any dragons and I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Stupid guards actually paying attention. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, why do I feel like we were going to be fighting this Drake at some point? Yeah, what is it to know about Drakes? Is it Arcana still? Uh, yes, you can make a recall knowledge arcana if you so wish. Technically, the entire party can for anyone that wants to. I have no arcana. I don't think Victoria is confident in her arcana. <laughs> Cesare's uh, an expert in arcana. I suppose uh, Niccolo and Lucia, once you reach the other side, you make your way over to uh, join your compatriots. Further down, mostly out of sight of the the gate. Here in the collection of... Uh, of worn but newer construction outside of the city's gates, since most of the the homes, the farmsteads and such that surround the uh, the outside of Rustgate were destroyed during the Siege of Cantargo some 50 years ago. Uh, you instead make your way through uh, a number of homes that have been recently reconstructed in what most people would consider to be kind of a, a standard style. Unlike the stone of Cantargo, uh, most of these businesses have stone foundations, and then the rest of it is entirely wood and plaster. Uh, unlike the iconic red roofs of Red Roof District, they use simple gray slate. Most of which, due to the amount of uh, 
rain in this area and the lack of upkeep has kind of turned greenish in places where mold and moss has clung to the slate above. And it uh, gives everything here a rather quaint, almost pastoral feel. Well, I guess uh, beat up with the rest and then we'll start heading down to the shoreline. Yep. I suppose Cesare is staring up towards the sky contemplatively. Yeah. Um, once we're not out of the out of sight far enough, I need to cast mage armor. I hadn't done that yet. <laughs> Spire Drake, you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As all of us are like checking our weapons, tightening our armor. <laughs> hmm. I will strap my buckler on for sure. Very well. I suppose uh, Lucia, Niccolo make their way over. All of you duck into an alleyway. Cesare cast a quick protective spell. Hmm. If there is a spire drake in the area, it's going to be interested in any magic. Oh. Uh, didn't you just cast magic? Yeah, so I don't get eaten when the spire drake tries to kill us all. Wait, I'm wearing a magic hat. Uchi like say, goes I up think... and touches her little hat of disguise, like, uh-oh. I think all of us have at least one magical trinket. Nicolo mm-hmm. pats the pocket where the silver raven figurine is. Oh, Oh, good point. They tend um, to look gaunt and tabard, almost sick, but they aren't. It's just a condition from living in the magic blasted desolations, usually. The local ones usually come down from Nidal. Hmm. They're far more intelligent than other drakes, and as I said, they like to collect the magic and magical items, even if they don't know how to use most of them. Great. Hmm. Well, so okay. they do that, that thing dragons are supposed to do where they make hordes? Yes, but the dragon would be able to use any sort of magical item it found. These ones just think they're interesting. Let's pray we don't run into it. Well, they said we if we don't go out into, like, you know, the ranch areas, then we should be fine. <laughs> they told us just the wilderness. So, like, the swamp we're heading towards. Let's just hope that we don't run into it. <laughs> yep, that's the best There's a non-zero do. chance we don't run into it. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, am I, am I, like, wrong to think that hopefully, like, if we keep going to the east that there's a, or to the south that there's a uh, farmland and stuff? <laughs> like, Look, far beyond where we're going? Once we once we get past these houses, it's here be dragon territory, so. Uh, nerds. <laughs> they are fairly large, at least the size of a horse, sometimes bigger, mm. so we should be able to see it coming. Mm. Well, okay. Small mercies. We didn't exactly have a choice in the matter. So keep an eye on the sky is what you're telling us. Yes. Raven says, dropping down off of your shoulder where she could easily be plucked off. <laughs> I think I'll walk for now. You're going to walk in the wet in the swamp. Once we get to the swamp, no. <laughs> is she wearing her adorable little raincoat and everything? Yes. Aww. She also has <laughs> tiny little kitty booties on. You know, oh. the most hilarious part of that entire interaction with the guards is the fact they didn't say anything about the weird dressed up cat. <laughs> like, that's not normal. He's just a peculiar guy. He's an elf. They're weird. Look, everybody likes a cat that's dressed up. Maybe that's it. Maybe they just were like, I don't want to look this elf directly in the face because, like, there's there's no uh, Scalera. <laughs> it's like me if I see a cat that's dressed up. I forget everything I'm doing. Just go, oh, kitty. Oh, my God. It's a kitty. It's so yep, cute. She's it's a in kitty. Her, her little yellow raincoat and apparently little yellow cat booties with her little yellow rain cap as she mm-hmm. decides, I'm going to walk because there's a dragon. <laughs> so the Gordon's Fisher cat. Yes. Trust okay. the Gordon's Fisher cat. I guess without a hustle, because otherwise we're going to be paying to come back through. I no. hope we are not out there an entire day. Theoretically, I'd like to make it back to in time for to teach classes this evening. Well, we'll see what we can oh. do. Let's uh, let's get to moving. We set off in a not at all suspicious way towards the swamp. <laughs> so what y'all say you were doing? We said we were visiting Cousin Plebis. 
Gotta get some food. From a uh, from a farmer named Giorgio. He uh, forgot what we were supposed to pick up. He just didn't say. I mean, we tried not to say, but this guy, these guys are surprisingly insightful. He was supposed to. He probably had a list of questions. <laughs> That's their job. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. It's always surprisingly insightful for anyone that barely does their job. <laughs> That's a good Lucia job. Lucia has probably never did. interacted with a Atari ever before this adventure path. So she's just like, "What the? They're actually good at the job? Who to find?" It's like they don't they don't hire these guys just for nothing, you know. Like you, you've met Morgar, you know the type of person he is. He was a Atari. <laughs> I thought he was exceptional. <laughs> Lucia's assumption is that they're all that crappy uh, police officer from Stranger Things. Uh-huh. Oh, like, oh, yeah, well, basically, basically I'm imagining like Lucia's imagining it like the guard weren't doing anything, so the heroes from the stories had to come rise up and restore order mm. or whatever. Oh, what concerns me is that there was a priest of Asmodeus with them. Mm. Well, probably to enforce the thing and identify magic if somebody's coming through with that. Well, yeah, I mean, like if you're bringing in magical objects, it'd be easy to conceal them from some people. Just be like, oh, it's just a ring. But no, it's a magic ring. Maybe they charge differently for magic. That was the case. They probably would have stopped all of us again. We all have magical gear. I meant like sh- in shipping containers, like to sell. Mm, I guess. Perhaps so. I don't know. He looked miserable, so I guess there's something for that. Well, and somewhat akin to what you were uh, aware of previously. Some of the drive up in price, some of the extra security, all the rest of that stuff is more pertaining towards, towards the order of the torrent. So since mm. none of you had carts or any means by which to smuggle someone out of the city, they seem to have been much less concerned with you than maybe somebody's hiding a person underneath all of these chickens inside this chicken yeah. coop. Yeah. yeah, that's probably why he was uh, wondering about this wagon you mentioned. Well, that's the thing is if we do get a wagon and everything, they're going to search the bejesus out of it. And I'm just sitting there like thinking, oh, if we come back with grain and it's, they're spilling grain on the ground, that's just going to be You're not awful. coming back with grain. You're going to come back with apples or something. And then yeah. it's fine. That'd I mean, I think, yeah, something just large and easy to not hide in. Just watermelons. Yeah. Or mushrooms. Yeah. Just a swamp. Any yeah. of these would be fine. Any and all. I guess we head out toward the island, though. Yep. Yeah. Adrian is greatly pleased to be out here in the quote-unquote wilderness. It's very fun and different. You make your way. Navigate through the, uh, well, just kind of follow along Ravenel Road before until you leave the uh, the more agrarian collection of buildings out here. There's a certain peace beyond the wall. There are watchtowers out here. You see groups of Datari making their way, coming and going. But to be perfectly honest, it feels like for the people that live out beyond the walls of Kentargo, all of the changes inside of the city's walls have in no way impacted them. Good for them. Good for them. We need to move. That being said, of course, it is not the idealistic, perfect, blah, blah, blah situation that you would... uh. You know, that city people imagine for farmers like, oh, they're just out here working the land and loving their jobs and all the rest of that. It's like, no, they're they're out here basically busting their butts every single day to keep the city fed. Probably not making nearly as much as they were uh, hoping to or expecting to previously. And as it is now getting on into the the later months of the year, it's basically getting to the final harvests before they have to get ready for hoping that the price of uh, goods doesn't go up too much in the city of Cantargo and that they have enough money saved up to last them through the winter, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And now there's a spire drake flying around, apparently. And now there's a freaking spire drake, which might explain why you don't see nearly as many children out here as you would normally expect <laughs> to, like Fair. running around and playing and all the rest of that. I know what you're implying, but it also might imply that the spire drake has already flown off with them. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> you don't see nearly as many children because... Ah! 
just like swoops it down. Maybe a combination a of both. It took one one kid. Well, children oh, are missing man. in the city. Do you think the Drake could pick up children in the city? <laughs> oh gosh. So we're gonna try to inspire Drake to be a friend uh-huh. of ours. Spire Drake's smart enough not to go flying within range of the ballista on the castle turrets mm. surrounding the uh, probably. So I, a good I imagine idea. they would not hesitate to just plow <laughs> a bolt into the those sweet oh, sweet no. spires they could cling to. It's true. There's so many spires they could cling to. You know what that makes me think? We need a gargoyle friend. Yes, mm. boy. Best spy ever. All right, let's go find Goliath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you want to spy, you probably need Lexington or Brooklyn. Mm, that's fair. Just a side note, I do appreciate that uh, apparently the, uh, the description for Spire Drakes includes that they are rarely as clever as they think. <laughs> I know, but they are like smarter that. than other drakes, apparently. Well, yeah, I mean, the spire drake has average human intelligence. Yeah. The average human, probably myself sometimes included, is not as smart as they think. I feel that. I really feel that playing this game. <laughs> Make your way. Travel a short distance. The sky overhead is still just gray and overcast. You walk along the road, which is actually raised up slightly. So in essence, almost the entirety of the road is about six or seven feet higher than the surrounding land. Most of Argo Isle is farmland. As you look off towards your left-hand side, over the fence you can see in the distance the wide stretches of tilled earth, which is the occasional habitation sprinkled amongst them. As most of the people, when they rebuilt, rebuilt within the shadow of the walls of Cantargo and then set out from there to work their farms every day. Instead of, like, individual farmsteads out on the land. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Off towards your right-hand side, you can see the occasional splotch of farmland. But it's almost like the Ravenel Road here has created a break between the waterlogged land directly adjacent to the river and then the land towards the center of the island, which seems to be more tillable. Mm. Once you get far enough away that the watchtowers are only just kind of a speck in the distance. And you continue to pass by the various carts coming and going. The carts leaving, sometimes stopping to speak with the carts going and warning them about the recent rate and increase uh, and also the agitation levels of the Tatari. So basically, yeah, go over there, expect to pay more and don't push your luck. Mm. I imagine once you get far enough away, you turn, jump over the, uh, the old, worn, but still sturdy wooden fence that line either side to keep any uh, drunk uh, drunk drovers, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. from plowing off of the uh, the road and then getting stuck in a ditch somewhere in the swamp and then make your way off into the swamp yourself. Yeah, we do. Drunk How drovers. swampy is this swamp? Like, are we talking knee-deep muck here or is it just kind of marshy, wet? Uh, it depends exactly where you're going. You know that you're basically going out to an island, so eventually it's going to be just... Water. Water. Yeah. Eventually we'd be swimming. I assume that all of you are wearing uh, traveler's outfits. Yes. I believe so, yes. Explorer's clothing, rather. Explorer's clothing, yes. I just have ordinary clothing, to be honest. I was going to say, what am I wearing? Oh, Nicola just has regular clothing? Yeah, I I don't have anything special. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have anything special either, so I'm just wearing clothes. So... Uh, For any of you wearing explorer's clothing, it's assumed that you're wearing sturdy, knee-high boots. Basically clothing made to explore. For Mm -hmm. those of you wearing ordinary clothing, it's you have your street shoes, basically the the Galarian equivalency to sneakers Mm -hmm. on. 
you know, blue jeans and all the rest of that stuff as you go marching off into the swamp. Hooray! My explorer's I mean, clothing is a couple decades out of style, but it's fine. To be, yeah, to be fair, we did not assume that we were going to be going outside of the city walls today, so we didn't have a chance to pick up better clothes. That's true. I just, I always wear my... I guess my... we could have, but we didn't. I wasn't thinking about it. Mm. Well, you're not out here in, like, high-fashion clothing or anything like that, so you're fine. It's very yeah. in line with Lucia, though, like, not really thinking about, like, oh, there's places you can go where you can't just walk on cobblestone. <laughs> city slicker. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I accidentally play her too well. And Nicolo's a bit more of a, a city boy. Yeah. It's probably one of the few times he's actually ventured out of the city. I was going to say, I, I don't it's know true. if Nicolo's ever been outside of the city. Like, Lucia has, but she's been in, like, carriages, and so, like, I mean, she just, like, eh. He might have gone out once or twice as a kid, but... I doubt he does it on a regular basis. Well, and maybe as part of your job, you've gone to the salt flats and uh, mm. all the rest of that stuff to, uh, to negotiate things. You set off into the swamp. At first, it is just that sensation when you step on too moist of ground. It's mm. just grass, but the moment that you step on it and it looks completely Ish. solid, water squirts out the sides as you mm. make your way off into the, uh, the thicker brush. Ew. The grass here, of course, is completely untended, and uh, considering the fact that no one sends their animals out here to graze or anything like that, because you definitely don't want any form of hooved animal to get an infection from having their hooves soak in the water all day. Yep. Mm -hmm. In short term, the grass, the undergrowth, grows up to be close to knee to sometimes waist high as you make your way out. The swampy area here is not sturdy enough for most trees, with a sole exception of willows. Cool. Mm. But these are not the large, impressive willows. These are the short, stunted, about shoulder level willows <laughs> that grow in clumps here and there where the ground is just a little bit sturdier than elsewhere. As you make your way pushing along, you can quickly determine where the water is deeper as opposed to more shallow paths, mostly by just avoiding water lilies, which seem mm. to grow in the somewhat deeper area. Don't follow the lights. No one follow the lights. <laughs> Dang, will of the wisps. Uh, anyone that wishes to may make me a recall knowledge for nature. I will. I'm an expert <laughs> at it. It never matters. Adrian's like, my time has come. My time has come. <laughs> I also have assurance in nature, but I'm not going to use it because it wouldn't be all that great at I this mean, current I juncture. I do have nature. Ches Chesare is trained in nature from being an elf, apparently. Hmm. That's actually where I get it is my elven lore ancestry. Cool uh, feet. So Adria is the obvious expert here, although Cesare, Vittoria, you know, Cesare from your your years spent traveling, going here and there, and just, I'm going to guess, osmosis from being an elf. And <laughs> I mean, you spent some time in Kionan, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of swamps in Kionan, but, and uh, Vittoria just from her probably love of Books. I read a book about books it. Knowing and knowledge. <laughs> read a book. According to my Her research. love of knowledge. I need to know how swamps react with decomposing bodies. Yeah, yes. probably something along yep. those lines. That's probably the reason. You confer. There are numerous magical dangers in swamps. However, this close to the walls of Castle Cantargo, any intelligent creature tends to avoid large concentrations of humanity. Yeah, people suck. It just kind of is the way it is. Right. To be perfectly honest, you guys are less worried about being immediately attacked and more worried about leeches and bloodworms. Mm. Ew. Ew. That's why you wear boots. You gotta wear boots. <laughs> well, like, glancing over to uh, to your your compatriots and Lucia and, uh, and Niccolo and just like, check your legs when we leave. 
Yep, we're going to check out for leeches. Headed. Should I be feeling that right now? <laughs> ah, no. This is making me think of the uh, the Green Hell game, if anybody has ever heard of that, where no. it's literally you trying to survive when literally if you go in the water, there's leeches all over you and you have to actually inspect your body to see if there's leeches and stuff. That's it's terrible. Jeez. I don't want this. Yeah, it's horrible. It's very realistic in that it's terrible. But to be perfectly honest, you think that those are going to be your only major concerns here and possibly hitting a sinkhole if you walk into any of the deeper water. Mm. Uh, however, I will need a survival check from the party to navigate your way off to the shrine. Is anybody good at survival? I have mm. a zero. I have a I'm one. trained in it. I'm trained. I have a six. I have a six. I have a seven. Yeah, Chester is like, mm. I know about nature. I don't know how to get through it, though. Lucia is just here to stab things and look pretty. So it sounds like Vittoria is, going is the away. highest. Yeah, Vittoria is the is highest. Vittoria so. the highest? Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a plus seven. Mm-hmm. I'll try to aid. That's fine. I don't. I don't aid. But I don't critically fail. You make your way. Vittoria, you take point. With Adria, of course, walking along beside you, offering this suggestion, this suggestion, etc. For, uh, for as you're navigating. I keep getting distracted by plants that are useful for other stuff that, aren't, that have nothing to do with survival. That's why I'm not helpful. <laughs> like, oh, those mushrooms are so great. I'm going to grab one. So go great in the stew later. Despite the short distance that you're traveling, it takes you the better part of about an hour to navigate your way out to the island. In large part because, again, you're having to go in a very circuitous route, navigating your way back and forth, back and forth, occasionally stopping to calm down. Probably Lucia, especially being the uh, the noble lady that she is. But it's like, oh, God, monster. And it's like, no, that's a grass snake. <laughs> that's a tree frog. But she just keeps like draw, drawing her rapier and they're like, no, that's not dangerous. And she's like, okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. So what I'm hearing is you are doing the uh, the keeping an eye out for danger exploration action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm not good at it because I don't know what danger is out here. <laughs> I mean, the only time that Lucia probably legitimately freaks out and to be perfectly honest, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the most invalid cause is uh, when you see a giant dragonfly, mm, which are approximately cool. cat size. I mean, so ah, they big. can be very mean. Freaking crustaceous period dragonflies. Yeah. I mean, as long as like Meg Mucklebones doesn't like pop up out of the swamp, I think we're okay. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what you're referencing. I don't know who that is. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, yeah. that's yeah. a far reach. Uh, Legend, she's the like creepy witch lady who pops out and attacks Tom Cruise. Oh. Well, okay then. No, around here it's more of a Ginny Greenteeth kind of thing. Mm. Now also that's don't a get legend. That reference. Uh, it's a famous English folklore. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Which is exactly why I don't get it. <laughs> After some time, you make your way closer to your destination. There's a path that runs... On occasion that you stumble back across that makes its way out deeper and deeper into the swamps, really only marked in places by what you think are supposed to be comforting, but are really more terrifying signposts. Hmm. These are simple sticks driven into the ground with a hanging symbol that looks like an upside down man now covered in moss and hanging vines. The hanged man from the harrow deck. You follow this path out. And eventually reach a point where the path, for like a better term, most of the swamp ends. And there's just this marshy extent for a distance of maybe some almost hundred yards that you have to wade out waist deep to make your way off to the island. Okay. I imagine this is the point Raven was like, uh, I need a ride. Yep. Hey, at least <laughs> it's only waist deep. Wading your way out, only being waist deep, since none of you are halflings. <laughs> mm. The sky breaks. 
streaming lights make their way down from the clouds overhead and seem to warm you as you make your way across the watery expanse. Once you're out in the water, you're almost on line with the, the watery level of the surrounding river. And you can see in the distance the, the city shining up on the hills, looking pristine and new in the light washing across it. Nearby, a small, uh, I actually don't know what the term for a group of ducks is. A quack. Quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, apparently there are a couple of names. Raft, team, paddling, or baddling. I want a baddling. I like okay. paddling, personally. No, yes, paddling is fun. Paddling of ducks. Team is also cute. They are ducks currently in water, which is a, a raft of ducks, a team of ducks, or a paddling of ducks. So you look off to the side to see a paddling of ducks. Oh, it's so cute. Delightful. Mallards specifically, like bright mm. green heads. Oh, nice. Kind of craning their necks over to watch all of you curiously. Oh, those mm. are male mallards. As you make your way across. Also, druid fact. Druid fact. They watch you for a short period. But once you don't seem to have any interest in them, pay no further mind. Mm. Adria gives them like a sup kind of head bob. Quack, quack, quack. They all bob back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not an animal druid, not but geese. if I were, that'd be fun as heck. Reaching this the other side, <laughs> you wade your way out of the water and begin to approach towards the center of the island. The island itself is not very large. North to south, you'd say it's probably 100 yards or so, maybe even a little less. Uh, east to west, you'd say that it's never more than maybe 100 feet across. There's a small hill on the island. Hill's a very generous term, since it's really only about 40 feet higher than the surrounding water. It's a mound, And sitting really. atop that is what appears to be a shrine. Nice. Let's go check out the shrine. The shrine is a simple stone building, maybe some 30 or 40 feet across, octagonal in shape, with slates leading up to the top and a small spire. Spire is not even really accurate term. It's almost more just a pole sticking up out of the top of this building. Mm. As you make your way up the path towards the building you note that it is surrounded by a number of small menhirs. Most of these are no higher than about elbow height that circle around the shrine itself. Set in front of the door of the shrine is a small circle of stones, a fire pit, although it is not currently lit, with two fallen logs on either side of it to make, for lack of a better term, benches. A small garden stands nearby, and you can see a single figure is working there. As you begin to approach closer, the man stands up, turns to look in your direction, begins to make his way forward, although he does turn and lets out what honestly can be only described as a quack-like sound. Hmm. After a second, a woman's form occupies the doorway leading into the shrine. Adrian waves. The man nods, holding up a hand in greeting, although does make a point to walk by the shrine and pick up what at first you think may be a staff until you recognize it as a boarding gaff. Right. A staff with a large cool. hook curving off the top of it. Nice. The man wears no shoes, and it wears what looks to be a simple brown robe, which falls down to about knee level. Mm. He throws on a sleeveless cloak that falls over his shoulders with a hood, of which he currently leaves down. And on his waist, you see that he carries a large conch shell. Cool. This is Druid AF. I love him and I'm here for it. The man's hair is sandy brown, 
S is the woman's, and the two of them have an appearance close enough that you'd think they might be siblings. The man interwoven into his beard has a number of shells from Snells and various other salt water, since there is mixed salt and fresh water in this area. The woman has much the same, although in her case, it is braided into her hair, which falls down her back. And both of them, you'd say, are probably in their mid-40s. Nice. The man offers you a warm smile, propping the gaff up on his shoulder and just resting one arm on it, like one would do with a hoe, as he mm. makes his way forward towards you. Don't get many visitors out here. Well, that's just a shame. It's a bit of a walk, and what little path we had washed away some decade back. Mm. I am Brother Jinbai. Good to meet you. I'm Adrian, and I'll, you know, introduce everybody. He smiles, nods. Well, it's quite the walk to get out here. Have you come to pay respects at the shrine? Partly. Yes, but that's not our primary objective. If you've come in peace, you're welcome to stay in peace. Sure. Lovely garden. What are you growing in there? Mm. Herbs, mostly. Hmm. Medicinal remedies. Occasionally, some of the locals come here for assistance. It's really the only time that we see people. Hmm. Scrape knees, sicknesses, and such. Beyond the walls of Kentargo, we are outside of the purview of the Prince of Lies. Their people don't find money amongst the common folks. And therefore, I suppose we are beneath their notice. Hey, sometimes that's better. Sometimes it is. Come. Mm. He gestures with a hand. Yeah, I guess we go. The woman makes her way in, comes back out with a number of bowls, uh, puts down a pot that they seem to have been making in preparation for lunch. Ah, great. Hospitality. And scoops out a uh, a bowl for each of you. Again, she doesn't even have ladles. She just takes the wooden bowls, scoops them in there, and then hands them out to each of you. We have some bread. It's still good. So uh, he provides each of you with a hard roll. As in, it is hard enough that you need to soak it in the stew. Yep. This is real generous of you. We believe in generosity here. As much as I appreciate the hospitality, I'm not quite sure if we have time. Raven begins licking out of your stew. <laughs> Chesare holds it up for Raven. I mean, this will take me like, what, two minutes to eat? Yeah, we can eat while we talk, right? It's very good. You can't quite identify the meat. That's fine. You don't need to. Stuff before. It's a little surprise stew. Nicola just greedily slurps it down. Like, I mean, honestly, it, it could be anything from, like, frog, snake, fish. I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully we would know what fish tastes like. Unbeknownst <laughs> um, to you, it's turtle. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, turtle soup. Good eating on yeah. one of those. I mean, my friend Chesare has a point. We are here looking for a potential ally. We're hoping a friend. A friend and ally. Again, we oh. don't get many visitors out here. Is it someone that you've lost? They are looking for Octavio Sabinus. Should probably preface with, we are not with the Church of Asmodeus, we are not with the city of Cantago, and we don't want any harm to come to him. Well, with the Silver Ravens, which we're hoping to bring back. Cesare will show the man the signet ring Setonia gave us. Hmm. He takes the ring, kind of looks it over. I know the lictor. We need to speak with him most urgently. He has cast his breath upon the stone many times. He's long a friend to our shrine. And we honor those who honor the watery dead. It's important work. Mm. His cousin, Citeronia, pointed us here, suggested that he might be hiding in the Order's safe house beneath the shrine. Go ahead and have the party make me a diplomacy check. Okay. Right, who's got good diplomacy? Cesare has a plus eight. Uh, that's better than mine. Are we all making this, or is this as a group? Is that the party? I don't know. 
I mean, one person can make it, the others can, like, someone else can aid them, however you want I'm it. not going to try to aid because I have a good chance of crit failing, so. Adrian and Chesra have been talking the most, and you'll both have eights, which is still good, right? I don't have an eight. I have a seven, so I can aid. I rolled a, uh, an 11 for a 20, so I aid somebody. <laughs> I aid no one. Chesra rolls a 15 for a 23, and so if, but aids only give one now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, plus one. A 24 with Victoria's aid. Why do you believe that the lictor is here? As I said, that we spoke with his cousin, Citronia. We are attempting to free the city from the Asmodeans' rule. We could greatly use his help. And we would like to free the rest of the Order of the Torrent if we can. All of the armatures are currently held captive. And my nephew is among their number. And that might be worth noting, in case you didn't get the news, that, uh... Unfortunately, the charter for the Order of the Torrent has been revoked by our new occupying Lord Mayor, and uh, Octavio is unfortunately public enemy number one with a huge bounty on his head. The man sits for a long moment, stares off towards the side, watches uh, the ducks out on the uh, the pond there. Do you know what is the greatest tragedy for most the drowned at sea? Being forgotten. That is some. The greatest tragedy is that when many go, they do so alone. Mm. Mm. Sometimes there are great shipwrecks and many people go down. But in that moment when you're beneath the waves, when the world goes silent, when you can only hear your own muffled voice, you die alone. It is not a way a person should be while living. Yeah. I will direct you below. Thank you. Cesare holds his hand out to get the signet ring back. He returns it, places his hand over Cesare's for a moment. Cesare would kind of raise an eyebrow. I put my faith in you. He is a good man. However, you will need to convince him. He looks over all of you. I pray I'm not making a mistake. We will do what we can. We all want the city to be saved. The woman looks back over towards him, and probably as a surprise to all of you, speaks in a language that all sans one of you can't understand. It me. Ah. <laughs> looks over and says in the Druidic tongue, if they wish to go below, we should allow it. Octavio cannot wait for much longer. And it would be de- better for him to have allies than do this himself. Do what? I reply in druidic. <laughs> the man turns, smiles. Well, this could have gone much faster if I knew that you were a sister of the faith. Well, but you know. At the very least, a sister in service to nature. More on the stormy side, but you know, we share water. That's fair. <laughs> Storms, unfortunately, keep us in business. Mm. <laughs> the man stands gulps down, just like tilts the bowl back and gulps down the rest of his stew. Yep, let's eat the stew if we haven't already, everyone. You don't need to worry about marking off lunch if you eat the turtle soup. Yep. Yay! The man leads you inside of the shrine. Back to the back portion where you can see a the large stone shrine here. Off towards the right-hand side, you can see a simple table, and off towards the left-hand side, you can see uh, currently bundled up two hammocks, where apparently when they're not doing services or anything like that. They just string up some hammocks and sleep in here. <laughs> the shrine itself depicts a, a strange sight. The shrine almost looks like something akin to a large rectangular fountain, except for instead of a, a pool of water, it is a stone representation of a pool and what appears to be a person floating on their back, giving it a resemblance somewhat akin to what you'd think of as a crypt. Mm. They Thinking. did say that there was a tomb in here. Getting Ophelia vibes. Oh, yeah, because yeah, it was... Um, 
It's the isn't this also the tomb of um I've already forgotten her name. Saint Senex. Uh, I'm looking yeah. Saint Senex. The man makes his way forward, looks down at the figure, who just appears to be floating in the water, mouth partially open, staring up blankly towards the ceiling overhead. He places one hand on the figure's chest before leaning down and literally breathing into the mouth of the shrine. Oh, he breathes upon the stone. Ah, okay. The stone shifts and slides to the side, revealing a three-foot diameter shaft with metal rungs descending down into the earth. You will find him below. Very well. Thank you very much. Is there anything else we may find below? I assume it's safe, but you never know. Mm. You must repeat this offering when you descend below. Mm. Otherwise, you will awaken the guardian. Well, that, that doesn't sound good. What kind of guardian are we talking about here? I mean, does it matter? We are not going to be fighting anything. Just in case something goes wrong. Years ago, a priest of St. Synex rescued a young woman from drowning. This young woman was a wizard. Hmm. An apprentice at the time. Years later, in repayment, she returned and crafted for us a guardian. Cool. Cool. Made from the flotsam and jetsam available. Like a wood golem. Oh, yeah, wood golem. Hmm. I would suggest not angering it. Mm-hmm. We have no intention of doing so. Those who would visit the drowned departed must bring to her lips the gift of Lung's bounty, lest the guardian stand before your approach. Mm-hmm. He nods, steps well, out its way. Thank you for what you're doing out here. My husband, while it wasn't this bay, drowned. So remembering them is something it's hard to do. So, you know, thanks. I understand, sister. The woman nods, and if you should ever find yourself in need of company, those that worship as we do, you're welcome here. We'd be happy to share our wisdom. Um, I'll take you up on it. Get a little extra training in that herbalism. Yes, <laughs> yes, I shall yeah. learn. Yeah, I, th- I was wondering that because I was like, oh, you mentioned the herbs and stuff. Like, yeah, you can learn some stuff. Mm. Very good. Cesare would reach out and, you know, squeeze Adria's shoulder before leaning down and breathing into the statue's mouth and climbing down the, sta- the on the rungs. No, sorry, the statue below. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, you, must repeat, yeah. you must repeat this obedience once you get there's down another there. Okay. There's another but, one. Yeah, so he would squeeze Adria's shoulder and then climb down. Adria nods. Cesare takes point. I suppose the uh, rest of you follow. Yeah, How sure. dark is it down here? It is very dark. I will cast Cesare light. Cesare cast light. <laughs> Raven's little collars. Her little rain charm, like he usually does. Her little rain hat. Yeah, I guess I could put on her little rain <laughs> hat. Blowing rain hat. <laughs> so cute. She's has, She's she has like such a good sun. idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Taking the rungs cautiously because the, the dampness of this place has soaked into every single facet of it. As such, even these metal rungs are quite slippery as you descend down. The rungs take you down into a large chamber. Even from here, as your light plays across this, you would say that the chamber from one side to the other is probably about 25 feet in width. It actually almost stretches, actually does stretch out of the range of most of your sight. However, those of you with the low light vision can tell that this chamber is maybe 60 feet from one side to the other. The ceiling of this damp chamber is seven feet high and is bolstered by square supports of rough-hewn wood. A shallow pool of water 
lies directly underneath this shaft that you descend down from, where the rusty iron ladder leads back up to the hole that you've reached the bottom of. An iron gate blocks access to the corridor that you can see the only exit from this chamber, making its way further to the east. And piles of cell, canvas, jumbled coils of rope and such litter the stony floor. And the walls, the floor, and the ceiling have all been carved to look curiously like wood, hmm. almost giving you this impression like you're inside of the hold of a stone ship. <laughs> cool. That's nice. Brown paint clings in patches where you can assume that it added to the aesthetic. Well, it's easy to see how the room may have once looked very much like the hold of a ship, but most of the paint has flaked away due to the disuse of the shrine. Immediately off towards the side, centered on the pillars that make their way in opposite of the iron grate that heads deeper, is a statue carved from driftwood. Cool. Depicting a woman dressed in robes, holding the body of a drowned sailor in her arms. Does she come to life and beat you with the drowned sailor? That'd be it cool. Is. I don't want to find out. Oh, no, we don't want to find out. The woman looks down, sadly, upon the figure in her arms. The figure who's close to about shoulder level for all of you as she holds him. Head lolls to the side facing towards, well, in essence, towards the far side of the room. Mouth partially agape, as if he'd just been pulled from the sea. I'm assuming that's the one we're supposed to breathe into, because... The woman's mouth is not agape. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, honestly, if there was anything with its ma- any statues with their mouth agape, we might as well breathe into them. Yeah. Cesare will breathe. will breathe into it and then take Raven off of his shoulder and hold her in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone, including <laughs> Raven, must breathe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this thing might come alive and just attack the people who didn't breathe. So. Oh, God, Raven. Cesare's, Cesare's not taking chances. We all yeah. make the offering of breath. <laughs> yes, I definitely. mean, we might as well. It's not like it. It's, you know. It doesn't cost us anything. It's not like they're mm. asking us to spill our own blood on it or anything. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone that wishes to may actually go ahead and make me a perception check. Ooh. I will. You queue up, make your way forward. Each of you breathe into the mouth of the sailor, Raven included. And again, uh, Adria, with your previous knowledge of this, I believe uh, you would recognize this as being a depiction of St. Senex herself. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. The moment the first of you breathes into the mouth of the sailor you hear a soft click sound. This is followed a second or two later by the sound of the gate on the far side of the chamber raising up into the ceiling. Ah. Adria, Lucia, as you turn and kind of glance back for a moment, you see a shuffling, a movement in the cell cloth, this rope, this detritus scattered about the room. As you look over, for the barest moment, you see a knotted group of ropes that vaguely looks like a large humanoid hand retreat further back into the cell cloth. Awesome. Cool. Once whatever it is notes that all of you breathe into the statue's mouth, it falls completely still and is otherwise almost completely unrecognizable as being different from the surrounding collection of floatsome and jetsome. Quite That's literally, oh, carved creepy. from Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, I'm kind of disappointed because I bet this is a unique type of golem. I don't want to fight their statue. No. <laughs> no. I really just want to learn about it because I bet it has some cool things that like can well, bind Adrian you just, in its, it's ropes. It's going to join the church and then you learn about the statue. Chesare is like, "That's kind of cool, but we don't have time for that right now. We got to go That's recruit a hell knight." Cool. Apparently, stop him from doing something crazy. Because, oh right, Adria does tell everyone like, 
They mentioned he was gonna do something by himself soon, so... His cousin did say that she wouldn't be surprised if he was going to do something a bit reckless when it came to saving the city. This is going to be delicate. We'll have to be cautious what we say and what we don't. He may already know, so we'll find out. We should probably tell them about the Drake when we leave. Oh, yeah, Mm. yeah. I suppose you turn and make your way. Mm -hmm. Crossing the room, crossing across the ship's hold. All of you note that the designs on the walls slightly change as you make your way further into this room. They go from strictly representing the hold of a ship to representing the damage hold of a ship. Mm. As if you can almost see the ship breaking apart as you reach the far end of this chamber. Cool. This is reinforced as you step into the hallway ahead of you. As the depiction here shows shattered wood all around you on the walls. And then after that, the walls seem like they had previously been painted a deep shade of blue and representative of water. As if you transition from the hold of a ship to the destroyed hold of the ship. And now you're going into the depths. The hallway turns to your right. And as you follow this along, the light from your spells plays off of the surrounding walls. The hallway is claustrophobic, only about three feet wide, about seven feet high. Oh, I don't have to duck, yay. (laughs) The light plays off of the moisture on the walls, which further reinforces the watery-like texture carved into their surface that does give you this almost distinct impression like you are underwater, like Hmm. you're diving deeper. The hallway as you round the corner is on a slope, taking you down. It's not steep, but it's just steep enough that it feels, that you feel unsteady. Particularly with the amount of moisture on the ground beneath you and your mud-covered boots that I imagine walking along, just out of curiosity, do any of you have your weapons out? I mean, no. no. Just figured I'd ask. I don't know if we'd really be able to have our weapons effectively if it's only three feet wide. Depends on the weapon. Daggers would probably be fine. I mean, yeah, maybe daggers. You reach the bottom of a landing and continue to descend your way down. As you descend, you can see carved into the walls are depictions of sea life. At first, they seem to be simple fish. But as you get further down, you get the impression of the creatures of the deep. Cool. Odd, toothy, mawed creatures with bizarre antennae. Strange shapes that vaguely look like they could be waves or the tentacles of some massive creature shaped and wrapped around you. That's cool. This is a cool place. This is a really cool place. Reaching the bottom of this, as you begin to approach it, you see a light ahead. The flickering of what may be one or two candles. Barely enough illumination. You hear some noise, a metallic sound, like heavy armor shifting. Uh, He's really chilling down here in his armor. <laughs> I was just thinking. Uh, Hell Knight, of course he, he is. He's so hot and so damp. What I will mention is uh, that grinding stone made a lot of noise when the passage oh, opened earlier. True. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he took the five minutes it's taken us to get down here to put on his armor. <laughs> you step into a room that is immediately curious and disturbing. The chamber is large, 30 feet across, maybe 40 feet wide and open. There's a seven foot high vaulted ceiling. However, your eyes are immediately drawn to over three dozen human-shaped bundles of cell cloth wrapped tightly and sewn with heavy thread laid respectively Uh. 
around the outside of this cold stone room. So he's sleeping literally in the crypt. Would appear so. Huh. Off towards the right-hand side, you see a bedroll laid out on the ground. A collection of items, armor maintenance tools, a weapon rack. Off towards the far side, you see a small table with a single stool. Covering this table and covering the wall behind this table are scores of <gasps> maps. Yes. Nice. Seemingly hand-drawn. I like him more and more. And covered with numerous markings, seemingly laying out battle plans, weak points, plans of attack. Yeah, we need this guy. <laughs> we need this man. As you step in, in the center of the room, stands a solitary figure. The man is just over six feet in height. Features are completely lost, as the entirety of the figure is covered in black plate mail. Not spiked like the Hell Knights that you normally see, but edged with sharp protuberances that look like fish spines and fins, which cover along the gauntlets, the shoulders, the pauldrons, the chest plate. The helmet covering this man's face looks like that of a Myrmidon, sharp angled, aquatically designed to allow for movement underwater with two fins extending almost like the front fins of a fish off the side of the head of the helmet. Nice. And a tabard seems to have been added over this in a way that you don't normally see with Hell Knights, displaying the blue and silver of Kentargo. Is that normal for their for their armor? Because I know they're different. That is not. Than, okay. So he's added that himself. The man holds a vicious-looking halberd, the head of which is shaped like a striking sea serpent. Cool. Definitely got style. I was gonna say if you get if you get high enough to be a lictor, apparently you get to get custom armor. The man watches all of you for a long moment. Not who I was expecting. And we'll pick it up here next time. Who are you expecting? He was expecting, expecting the Dotari, I imagine. The Spanish yeah. Inquisition. We don't even uh, have profits yeah. The Dotari Inquisition. <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath.